All right, good morning. Um, I do have one other quick, short announcement. This is for you parents. Um, the gym is currently set up for a uh, fellowship today uh, for a, uh, a sister church um, that's using the building today. So if you could please keep the little ones from running into the gym. Um, by setup, I mean it, there's tables everywhere, chairs, decorations, food trays, drink things. It looks awesome in there. You could peek in. There's, no one's going to tell you not to. But if you could just maybe keep the kids from getting too crazy in there, um, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, there was a question that came in uh, asking about marriage. Uh, the question was, when we die... And go to heaven, will we still be married? Um, I have been asked to answer that question by encouraging you to uh, hop online and find the podcast from two weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Hawko in depth answered that question. And uh, if you don't have access to a computer, totally understand it. If you're not sure how to work the internet or find a podcast, a podcast, what's a podcast? Um, find myself or one of the tech guys and they'll be able to point you in the right direction and uh, get that taken care of for you. All right. So this morning uh, we do have communion and uh, in just a little bit I'm going to invite Gene to come up and he's going to lead us in communion this morning. But I wanted to take an opportunity to kind of encourage you and challenge you with a little bit of a story. Uh, This is a story that Jesus told. It's found in Matthew chapter 13. And it's verses 44 through 46. Uh, It's up on the screen. If you want to read along on the screen, it's totally fine. If you want to open your Bible, you can do that. If you have it on your phone, you can read it on your phone. It's fine. As long as you're reading it, I guess. So not checking Facebook. That's what what happens sometimes, right? Keyshawn's like, I don't know. I'm not. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. From, and from joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And as I shared in morning prayer with the worship team, uh, these uh, next two weeks, I I marvel that I have an opportunity to to speak and to be tabbed by you to do this, knowing, Lord, that um, these two things I struggle with. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, allow me to speak clearly this morning, that your word would be heard, and that uh, what we talk about would impact our lives and it would penetrate our hearts so that we would be more like you, or that we would understand what you've called us to do and how you've called us to follow. So Lord, we ask these things in your name and commit this time into your hands. Amen. I love parables. I think they're awesome. They're kind of like, obviously, stories. Uh, Pastor John uses a lot of movie quips and quotes, and I think that's kind of what Jesus did. Obviously, they didn't have movies. But when Jesus is using a parable, he's telling a story, he's trying to drive a point home a little bit further. And this is really no different. Here he gives two parables about a treasure and about a pearl, and he's using it to help teach his disciples. Um, We're not going to go too crazy into it. Um, 
depending on the school of thought that you're from, and this is probably going to raise a whole lot of questions, so maybe it will, and you can write them down and send them to us. Depending on who you ask, some scholars will say, well, the treasure represents Israel, the pearl represents the church, the man is Jesus, or the man is you, and this is the... There's a whole lot there. A whole lot. I'm not going that far into it. I want to look at the parable for really what the teaching instruction is, and how Jesus uses this as an opportunity to talk to His disciples. And when we read this parable in context, if you go back to the beginning of Matthew 13, you'll find there's, I think, eight parables in this chapter that Jesus kind of goes through and he tells this parable and the parable of the sower, the leavened bread, the fish in the net, the pearl and the treasure. And some of these parables Jesus is teaching to the crowd. There's a lot of people around. The beginning of the chapter says Jesus went out of the house and he teaches. And the disciples are like, what are you teaching? We, what, uh, help us to understand this. And Jesus says, I'm going to do you a favor and I'm going to break it down a little bit. He says, I'm using these stories, these parables. We've all said it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Has anybody heard that statement before? Some of us have. I, that's what I grew up when my parents would say. A parable is a heavenly, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. There's more to it. And Jesus kind of furthers that when he says, this is what I say, he said, they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. So Jesus is just kind of telling his disciples, you've got to listen. You've got to see. You've got to open your heart to it. And you've got to take it in. And if you are a disciple, if you are a follower, you will see, you will hear. So what's great about this is Jesus gives, I think, if you read through it, there's four or five maybe uh, parables that he gives. And then it says, they went into the house and he talked with his disciples. These parables, these three, I'm only doing two this morning. These three parables are specifically given to his followers. Us. This is instruction and teaching for us. If we're in the room this morning, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm going to assume that there's some level of you, some percentage that says, I'm a follower, I'm a disciple, or I want to be a follower, I want to be a disciple, I'm just not entirely sure what the next step is. This is going to kind of springboard into what I get a chance to talk about next week, and that's following. Where's Luke? Oh, Luke went downstairs. Rachel's here. Rachel, you've been to Spruce Lake. You're familiar with the phrase, Red Fred in the Shed. Do you remember that? So there's a mapping and orienteering class that the kids do at Spruce Lake where they get a compass and they learn how to use a compass and they learn how to navigate a map and we send them out into the woods by themselves and say, see you in an hour. Sometimes it's rather amazing what happens. Uh, we're down by this field with animals. Oh, you went the wrong way. So next week... I'm going to talk a little bit more about what it means to have Christ as our compass. What Red Fred in the Shed means. So now I have to come back. Or ask Rachel. Or maybe Sarah. She might remember. I don't know. So there's two things. You have notes. There's three things. But the first two things, I'm going to fill in your notes right now. And then as you go through, you can write down things and jot whatever you want. It's fine. The first thing is the field, the pearl, the application. Simple. Three points, poem. Gene's going to come up, and we're going to go home. I'm going to try to not be too long, but the field. Jesus tells this story. There's a man who goes out into a field. He finds this treasure. He hides the treasure. He goes home. He sells everything that he has, 
and he goes back and he buys the, the field. Now he owns the field and he owns the treasure and he has this treasure. Treasure, I don't know. I'm not a pirate. Maybe there's gold in it. Maybe there's jewels. Maybe there's coins. I don't know. There's treasure. There's something worthwhile. It's made up of something. But it was enough for him to say, this has got worth to it and I want it. In this story, nothing else mattered. He sold everything that he had. His hobbies no longer mattered. His job, his family. What mattered was, I want to possess this thing. I need it. And that drove him to purchase this field. The result of this is a change in mind. It's a change of heart. He could have walked up, saw it, stole it, and walked away, but he realized, there, I don't want anybody else. This is worth something to me. Do you imagine what it must have been like if this was real thinking about it? Put yourself in this guy's place, right? This is a parable, it's a story. But Mike, if you went home and you said to Kate, hey, I found this field with treasure in it, and I'm going to buy it, what is, what's your wife going to say? No! Are you crazy? So I know we're, we're reading into it and we're saying like, but think about it. That would be insane. You're what? Yeah, Kate, listen, I'm selling the house. I'm selling the cars. And look, Kate, this, I'm so serious. I'm selling my guitars. <laughs> but to say he sold everything he had because he wanted to possess that. That treasure became the thing that his heart desired. Do you see where Jesus is going? What is your heart's desire this morning? What are you seeking after? Tim, you sound like a broken record. I know. I get it. I'm not going to jump ahead of my notes, but I'm telling you, I struggle with this. Because growing up, I didn't quite understand what this whole idea of following Jesus meant. I understood that I didn't want to die and go to hell. I understood that Jesus came and died for me. I understood that I needed to accept Christ as my Savior. But when it came to that whole lordship thing, it was kind of like, that's optional. It's, it's not optional. It's not optional. If you're a follower, if you want to be a disciple, that is not an option. It's not a question. Hey, you know what? Yeah, Jesus said, just trust me and then everything else. Jesus calls us to follow him. In the second story, and then we're going to do a little bit of comparison for the application, Jesus tells a story about a merchant. Someone who goes out, and maybe he's a jeweler, maybe he's a businessman, I don't know, but he knows what he's looking for. He finds this pearl. I honestly, I've never seen a real pearl. I'm sure they're beautiful. I don't really get into the whole precious stones and jewels, but this was something that he realized was valuable. And in this day, to tell this story, to understand it, someone who would have been this person would have traveled from port to port, city to city, looking for these things to buy. He finds this pearl and he does the same thing. I'm selling everything that I have to buy this pearl. He's seeking after it. He's looking for it. He has searched it out. 
I don't know how you uh, do that. I, uh, I have no idea how to test that stuff. I went to buy an engagement ring when I got married, and the girl's like, oh, you got to worry about like the cut, carrot, color, clarity. And I'm like, ah, uh, just give me that one. I, it, I have no idea. So um, back when there was that, that big like trade in your gold for cash, I guess it's still going on. There was a, a booth at the mall. And uh, we found these, we thought it was gold, it said like 14K gold, and I was like, jackpot. So went to the mall, and the lady goes, oh, well, we do a test. And she's like scraping on it and putting drops on it. She's testing it. And she goes, I'm really sorry, this is plated in gold, but it's not real gold. I was like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be a payday. No, but I guess I'm going back to work. <laughs> but clearly, this guy understands what it means to have value, to seek, to test it. I find it hard to believe that this person would just go in and they would say, hey, yeah, this is a pearl. We got it here. It's this clarity. It's this perfect. You want to buy it? And he just went, yeah, sure. He saw after it. He sells everything. He buys it. He wanted it. So I guess here comes the applications. There really are questions that Jesus is asking his disciples in these stories. He's asking them, do you really want this? Do you really want this life that you say you want? Is this really worth it to you? Have you really sought it out? Have you really purposed in your heart? Have you been uh, diligent in seeing, is this really what I'm committed to? Is this really worth it to me? Because here was, I told you, here was my struggle. I was saved. There's no doubt in my mind that I trusted Christ to save me from hell. But until I got to that point where I was willing to say, all right, Savior and Lord, I'm putting myself under your rule, under your power. Is it worth it? I think we can relate to these people in the story. Maybe you're willing to say, in a heartbeat, boom, done, I would sell everything. I want that. Or maybe you're kind of like me going, I really don't know how to tell if it's worth it. I'm really not sure. I really don't know if I'm committed to this. God is calling us to trust and to follow him. There's some differences in these stories, but they come to the same conclusion. There's something of value. Someone purchases it, and it leads them to happiness, to a fulfilled, satisfied life. One's a treasure, one's a pearl. In the first story, it just says the man was out in the field and he kind of stumbled upon it and he thought, this is valuable to me. In the second story, the guy is seeking after it. God wants us to seek after him. There are people in this room that have stumbled and fallen into this beautiful puddle of grace. Don't stop there. Don't stop. The reason that there's a double telling, this is like confirming the first story with the second. Maybe you stumbled into this idea of grace and you've stumbled into this relationship, but he says there's a value to it that you need to seek after and you need to strive for it. All of the disciples, when Jesus calls them, if you go back and you can read in in all the gospel accounts and Uh, Jesus says, hey, follow me. And they drop their nets and they go. He says to Philip, Philip, follow me. And Philip's like, 
absolutely. And then I'm going to go tell my brother, and I'm going to bring him back. Do you see? There's no question of, if Jesus is calling me to follow him, he's looking for a response. If, if, if he's the treasure, if he's the treasure of my life, if that's what he's calling me to do to follow him, my response should be this. Jesus says in John, John records his words, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. If you know Jesus, you should follow him. It's essential. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, If any man will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This word deny in this verse means to disown, to sign yourself over to somebody else. Think of it this way. If I bought property and I was signing it over to Keyshawn, what would I have to do? I would give him the title. We would go together. I would sign it. He would sign it. And someone would put a stamp on it and says, Tim has signed this over to Keyshawn. Keyshawn now owns it. And then Keyshawn says, this is my property. I'm going to build a house on it. And then I go, well, Keyshawn, I don't really think you should build a house on that property. It's mine. That's exactly it. And if we are this person denying ourselves, signing over to God what is his, and saying, I'm going to commit to follow you, I'm signing over the title of my life, the deed of my life, when Jesus says, follow me, we don't get the option to go, well, I'm not entirely sure this is what I want to do. Did you put your name on the line? As if you signed your name on the line, that's what Jesus is calling us. It's radical, man. It's intense. It causes us to, when we talk about next week, I'm looking forward to talking about what's it mean to follow. I think about the rich young ruler. Give up everything and follow me. Everybody's like, yeah, see, he didn't want to give up his stuff. If he sold his stuff, you know what? I don't care if he sold his stuff. And I really don't think that's what Jesus was getting at. I don't think Jesus was saying, hey, sell all your things and then you can follow me. I think Jesus was saying, do you love your stuff more than me? Is your stuff more important to you? There are plenty of rich people in the Bible that didn't have to give up all their stuff. You understand that, right? It's a heart thing. It's a decision that we have to make. Am I willing to follow? Am I willing to go? We used to have this missionary that was a missionary in Africa, and, and he always said, where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. And I always thought that was funny. I'm thinking, this guy's eating bugs and worms and... He's doing it because it's worth it to him. He understands it. Where's Corey? There he is. You ready? So I thought this morning I would come in and preach hellfire and brimstone. And yell and scream and get red-faced and drool and get snotty, right? (laughs) Jump up on the chairs. But I don't think that's beneficial. I'm, I'm not looking for an emotional response. Pastor John's not looking for an emotional response. We're not looking for, for people. Christ isn't looking for people that are going to go, oh my gosh, he's talking to me. This is what I need. Holy cow, this is amazing. I've never heard this before. And then walk out the door and be like, what are we having for lunch? 
People say, you know, Tim, you don't really do a lot of retreats. You're right, I don't. Sometimes it's a whole lot of money for nothing. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it's good. But can I tell you how frustrating it is to take a group of teenagers to a retreat where they pound nails into a cross and they sign a little thing in their Bible and they tie a ribbon around it and they're ugly crying and they go, oh, and then they get on the parking lot and the first thing they think about is, hey, I'm going back to my old ways. It is not worth it if you walk out these doors and go back to your own ways. Jesus is not looking for an emotional response. He's asking you, seek and search. Be intelligent. Challenge yourself. Well, this is what someone... Challenge yourself. We went to the baseball game last night, and this is pretty awesome. Jay's here. Jay said something about Aiden. Aiden speaks with conviction, right? He's like, he doesn't, if he doesn't care if he's wrong, he will just tell you. Like, we were talking about, oh, Cat, do you know Cat has two brains? Yeah, you can Google it, man, two brains. One does this, one does that. He'd be like, Wait, oh, man, hey, does cats have two brains? It's amazing. That's not what Jesus is calling us to do. Jesus is not calling you to check your brain at the door. The merchant searching for a pearl didn't check his brain at the door. He sought. He tested. He said, this is worth it. And I'm willing to give up everything I have to purchase this. Pastor has talked sometimes about putting a stake in the ground. And, and moving from that point. And in a minute, I'm going to invite Gene up. And he's going to lead us in communion. But this is one of those opportunities for us to put a stake in the ground. Are we willing to put a stake in the ground that says, we're going to stop going through the motions and we're going to treat this like it's worth something? We're going to stop playing church. We're going to stop walking through these doors on Sunday as believers and walking through Monday through Saturday like something completely, totally different. We're going to stop getting caught up in religious busy work. Well, I'm serving. Are you? Are you, though? We're going to stop it. We're going to show that this is worth something. There's a difference between committing and following something. And, I, and, and prayer meeting a couple nights back, if you were here, pastor shared it. Interest versus Commitment. If I'm interested in something, it's optional. If I'm committed to it, there's no question, this is what I'm doing. I will change my schedule around to stick to what I'm committed to. If I'm interested in it, eh. It's like the Facebook thing, right? You set up an event, you have a choice, maybe, interested, yes or no. We went to an engagement party yesterday, it was awesome. But man, did it rain. And it was a great time. It really was. I'll be honest. When my wife clicked going, I was like, oh. <laughs> it was a great time, right? It was awesome. I was like, you could have just said interested. That left us like a way out in case something happened. Or it rained. But, or it rained, right? I mean... It didn't rain just a little bit. <laughs> it rained a lot. Are you interested in what the gospel says? Are you interested in how the gospel can change your life? Are you interested in finding out, is there worth to this? Or are you committed to seek and to find and to give up whatever it is that's keeping you from being this man in these parables? 
What's stopping me from purchasing? What's stopping me from getting this pearl? Does that make sense? I love communion. And I love the thought. And now having like this new kind of, I don't want to say eye-opening, but this new approach to it and this new outlook as I've talked with Pastor about it and some other folks from what it was when I was a kid growing up. I'm not kidding. When I was a kid growing up, man, it was like the most depressing time of the quarter. We did it every three months faithfully. Last Sunday of every month, communion. And you knew coming into it, man, this is going to be, shh, don't say anything. And you sit down and you do it. And then we would sing a song at the end and everybody would leave quietly. And, not, and I didn't feel like there was life to it. I felt like we were just going through the motions. Maybe that resonates with some of you. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. But here's what I look at communion now. Jesus said, this is a new covenant. My body, my blood, broken for you. Every time I get to sit and experience communion, I think, this is a chance to start a new covenant with God Almighty. Everything that led up to this, I can leave it in the past. I can take this and I can say, I'm committing to you. This is my stake in the ground. I want to challenge you this morning as Gene comes up. Let this be your stake in the ground. Let this be a new chapter in your life. Let this be that, that new, hey, I, I want to strive. I want to stop playing games. Let's stop making excuses. Let's make a new covenant. Gene, come on up. 